Jesus used parables almost every time he taught. And this parable, I imagine almost all of you have heard many times, but its meaning and its application never lose their impact, never lost their impact when Jesus taught it, never loses its impact when we hear it from his word. And it's a parable in which Jesus, again, is shedding some light on the outrageous generosity of God. So God's outrageous grace and outrageous generosity is in this as well. And also the dangerous predicament that we are in. So the dangerous predicament is there too. So like in all of our parables just about, the outrageous grace of God, the outrageous generosity of God towards us is there, and our dangerous predicament if we don't receive that grace is present. But this parable primarily, though, is one in which Jesus illuminates how the gospel works in the world and how it works in people's hearts. And so this is a parable about the gospel. This is a parable about how the kingdom is unfolding person by person, moment by moment, in the earth and in the world and upon the people of the earth. It's a parable in which Jesus declares both the sovereignty of God in salvation, that God is the one who plants the seed and causes it to grow. So God is sovereign in those that come to him. And also, at the same time, the duty of man in both speaking and hearing the gospel. So God's sovereign. He's ultimately in control. Nobody's going to go against his will. But at the same time that God is sovereign, we have a duty to speak and to hear, and our will is involved as well. And Jesus talks about both of those things in this parable as well. There's actually a lot going on in this parable, like there are for most of them. Jesus has hooks in this parable into all kinds of doctrines and truth that we are not going to be able to get into this morning. We're not going to have time to explore. But the things that we are going to be able to explore, I think, will enrich us. And so I'm going to read the parable from Matthew. And I know in your bulletin it probably says Luke, and that's my fault. I was going to use Luke originally. Um, but Matthew, as I was studying it in all the different Gospels, Matthew just phrases it a little differently and I think a little more clearly for our purposes this morning. So I'm looking at Matthew 13, uh, verses 1 to 9, and then 18 to 23. And we'll just pray before we read God's Word. Father God, I ask that Your Holy Spirit would illuminate our hearts, that we would uh, see Your Word and understand it, that we would hear it and know its meaning for our lives. And Father, I pray that that would take place even this morning. In Christ's name, Amen. So Matthew 13. Starting at verse 1, it says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and a great crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. And other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear." And so now what we're going to do is we're going to let Jesus explain his own parable. That's the best way we can go, right? There's there's one word, there's one interpretation, but there's going to be two applications. And there's three main elements here to this parable. There's the sower, the seed, and the soils. 
And before we try and draw any application from it, we need to know what these things are. Who's the sower? Who's the seed? Who are the soils? What are these things representing? What is it that Jesus is saying? You can imagine this crowd has gathered to hear this rabbi preach, and the disciples have been uh, with Jesus, and they know that he's the Messiah. There's been these rumors that he's the Messiah. People have started to think that maybe he's the Messiah, and then he goes out and there's this crowd gathered, Luke says, from many towns have come to listen, and Jesus goes out and says, speaks many things to them in parables, and then tells them this story about a farmer sowing seed. As you can imagine, the disciples especially are thinking, what are, why, why are you doing this? What, what are you talking about? Why don't you tell them who you are? Why don't, why don't you just, you know, this is your chance. You've got this whole crowd gathered here. You can just say, you know, I'm the Messiah. I am the son of David. I am the one who has come. You know, let's go. And instead he tells a story about a guy throwing seed rather haphazardly in his field, not even sowing it well because it's going everywhere. Right? And so we need to understand why is Jesus doing this? There's a sower, there's seed, and there's soil. And what part of the parable is Jesus expecting us to identify with? Who did he expect his disciples to identify with? Who did he expect the listeners to identify with in the parable? Whenever we read a parable, we're looking to see where we fit in and how it's to affect our heart. And so Jesus helpfully includes us in the discussion that follows with his disciples. He doesn't explain it to the crowd. He takes his disciples aside, and to his disciples he reveals the meaning. And so we let Jesus explain his parable, and then we're going to look at two applications of it. And as I read through this, verses 18 to 23, where Jesus unpacks for us his own parable, be thinking about it as I read it where you fit in. Because this is God's Word, and God's Word speaks to our hearts. And so you will very likely feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you even as we read this text. And all I'm saying is, just listen Listen to the conviction of your heart as you hear Jesus explain his teaching. Verse 18, he says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, and yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a little while, and then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. And as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. And as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Praise God, Jesus explains this parable to us. We know, we know what's going on here. We have the scripture, we have the interpretation, there's one interpretation but then there's application to our own hearts, and there's as many applications as there are people. So what is the application? Where do we fit in? Well, there's there's two sides of this gospel transaction that Jesus is describing. There's the sower on the one hand who is casting the seed, and then there's the soil on the other hand that's receiving the seed, and the seed is kind of in the middle. Okay, so on the one hand, you've got the sower. On the other hand, you've got the soil. And those are the two applications that I want to make today. I want to apply this to the sowers who we might say are the disciples. 
The disciples are the sowers. Jesus is the sower here this day. He's the one sowing the seed of the word of the kingdom. The disciples are sowers of the seed of the word of the kingdom. We Christians are sowers of the seed of the words of the kingdom, right? We're sowers of the seed of the gospel. And so there's an application here for the sowers on the one hand. And so we read it as the sower, or we can read it as the soil. And I want to do both of those and apply it first to the sowers. Let's look at it as if we are the sower. And in this light, there's a lesson here for us in the church. For us who are believers, who have the gospel, who are fruitful for the kingdom, there's a lesson here that we can learn from this parable as we are casting the seed. And so looking at it as sowers, first of all, we look at the sower. That's the person who's spreading the word of God. It's the gospel. And the first thing we see here is that the sower doesn't influence the growth. The parable is not expounding on the expertise of the sower. It doesn't take a talented sower for a seed to germinate and grow. This sower, in fact, is not that great of a sower. He's throwing his seed everywhere, apparently. It's landing on the path. It's landing on rocky outcroppings. Some of it's landing in the weeds on the side of the road. Some of it actually lands on good soil, which is great. Right, but this guy's not necessarily a great soil, a sower, and it, the parable is clear that the, the germination of the seed and the growth and the fruitfulness really doesn't matter about the sower. It's not up to us as to whether the person receives the gospel or not, or whether they hear it, or whether they're fruitful. We are just responsible for casting the seed. We are the one who needs to throw it. In Mark 4, he says, and he was saying the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil and he goes to bed at night and gets up by day and the seed sprouts and grows how he himself does not know. Jesus says the guy planting the seed doesn't know how it grows. His job is just to plant it. It's God's gospel and it's God's spirit that causes the growth. So the way the kingdom works, as Jesus explains it here, is that our job is just to sow the right seed, speak the gospel, share the word of God, give an account for the hope that is within us. And then God will determine where it falls and God will determine if it grows. And that's a, that's a relief to us, right? That we are not the ones who are ultimately accountable for those that we witness to. God is ultimately going to transform them. That's not our job. It's not our job to change people's hearts. It's not our job to change people's minds. It's not our job to make sure that they grow up into good little Christians. It's our job to make sure that we are simply giving an account of the hope that's within us, that we are sowing the seed of the gospel. And then there's the seed in the parable. And from this perspective, we understand as sowers that the seed is always the same. It doesn't change. Everyone receives the same seed. Everybody receives the same word of God. Everybody receives the same gospel. Okay, And then they are accountable to that same gospel that they receive. We don't have to modify the gospel in order to have somebody hear it and receive it. In fact, we can't modify the gospel. This parable is not about the man choosing different seeds from different pouches and sowing them into different soils depending on you know what the situation is or who the person is. This is one bag of seed. He reaches in there. All the seed is the same. And the seed is the gospel. In verse 19, it says it's the word of the kingdom. And so just as in the last parable that we had last week, rich man and Lazarus, we see here the confidence that Jesus has in the word of God. And and this is a lesson that we can take out of this. Jesus is absolutely confident in the single purpose of the gospel and in the word of God. It is enough. You don't have to add to it. You don't have to change it. right? You remember with the rich man and Lazarus, he begged Abraham to warn his brothers. And what did Abraham say in the last parable? 
He said what? He said they have Moses and the prophets. If they won't listen to them, then they will not hear, even if a man raises from the dead. Right? And so in the last parable, last week, the message was the same. There is absolute confidence in the scriptures and in the word of the kingdom and in the gospel. The words of scripture are enough and we can have confidence that they can take root and transform lives. That's what was said last week. And now Jesus says the seed, the word of God, is again the confidence of heaven. God has put, not wrongly because it's his word, (laughs) but if you want to look at it this way, God has put his confidence in the word of God on earth to accomplish his purposes. God is not saying that anything else needs to happen other than we need to preach the word because it's powerful and effective. Isaiah 55.11 says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to be empty, but shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So we have the sower, who does, his job is just to spread the seed. It's not up to him to cause the growth. Then we have the seed, which God is absolutely confident in. The seed is the same seed for everybody, and the seed is powerful and effective. The word of God will accomplish his purposes. And so for us then as sowers, let's make sure that we are sowing, in fact, the good seed. We can ask ourselves, can we articulate the hope that we have within us? Can we explain the gospel of Jesus Christ? When we're talking to our friends or our our family or the people that we work with or people in the community, as sowers of the seed, are we prepared to sow the true gospel, the true seed, the good seed? Are we able to explain God and man and fall and repentance and redemption, and atonement? Are we able to explain it in our own terms, in ways in which people understand the hope that we have? Can we explain it accurately? Because there are people out there that are sowing bad seed. right? There are people out there that are are sowing false gospels. And we talked about some of them last week too. right? They are sowing seed, but it's not the good seed. It's not this seed. And so we have to make sure as sowers that we have the good seed, we understand the good seed, we are in the word of the kingdom, we are in the scripture, and that we understand it and are able to speak to speak it. But the seed is still the same. The gospel doesn't change over time because the need for humanity doesn't change. People still need forgiveness, they need truth, they need hope, and they need new life in Christ. And that never changes. And that comes through repentance of sins and trusting in God's promise and treasuring Christ Jesus. That gospel never changes. The seed doesn't change. And then we look at the soil. So as sowers, again, this is the application from the perspective of us as sowers. We now look at the soils. And I'm going to break down all the individual types of soil in the next application. But for now, let's just see the sower's relationship to all the soils. First of all, we see from Jesus' parable that we sow on all types of soil. We we, we cast seed everywhere. And, And in this illustration, we see a glimpse again of the outrageous grace of God. His good gospel is offered to all soils every time. This means we don't discriminate who hears the gospel or we don't discriminate who receives the mercy of the gospel. We are free with the mercy and forgiveness of the and the message of the gospel with everybody. We don't pick and choose who deserves to hear the gospel. We don't pick and choose who deserves the generosity or the mercy of God. God's outrageous grace and generosity is that His good gospel and His good word is offered to everybody all the time. We sow everywhere. We sow generously. We sow on hard ground and stony ground and thorny ground. It's not up to us to decide where the Word of God falls. It's just up to us to sow it and let God work. 
And so that means we don't begrudge the seed of the gospel to anyone. Be generous in sowing. There's too many of us who hold on to one seed, one witness opportunity, you know, one evangelical outreach, and we hold on to that one outreach that we're going to do for most of our life thinking, you know, I wonder where I'm going to plant this seed. And that's not the picture that Jesus is painting in this parable at all, is it? No, the, the picture that Jesus paints here is that you have a whole bag of seed. There are tens of thousands of gospel opportunities for you in your life, and you are spreading that seed all the time. So start throwing. But so often we carry around our little gospel seed waiting for the perfect place to plant it. We're going to tell our story you know, once to one person. We're going to plant one seed per year. Or we just have one seed planted in our whole the field of our whole workplace. You know, We've planted one little seed there. Or in our family, we've planted one seed. You know, or all the people that, you know, we're playing hockey with, you know, we planted that one seed with all of those people. And we're just hoping that one seed in that field will grow. But that's not this parable. Jesus says, you got these fields, you gotta throw the seed. You gotta be, you gotta be planting all the time. That's not how the gospel goes out. It doesn't go out one little seed at a time. It goes out time and time again upon all ears, everybody who will hear. It's cast broadly. It's literally broadcast. That's where the word came from. You're casting broadly. You broadcast the gospel. And that brings us to the sowing. If those are the soils, that brings us to the sowing, which is to be generous as we sow. Billy Graham broadcasted, literally, the gospel as wide as anyone before in history. Right? You want to talk about a guy who planted the seeds of the gospel, you can talk about a guy like Billy Graham. But don't think for our application today that just because you can't sow like Billy did that you don't need to. You don't get to sit back and say, well, you know, Billy kind of got everybody, so I'm, I guess I'm done. <laughs> right? You know, he, he sowed to tens of millions of people indeed. Billy Graham sowed the gospel to mil- to millions. But you know who he didn't sow to? Billy Graham probably didn't sow to about a hundred people that you know. They might know about Billy Graham, but I bet they never heard the gospel from him. So there's a hundred people right now in your life that Billy Graham never sowed the gospel to. And so if you don't sow, and Billy didn't sow, and they're not sitting here this morning, then who's going to sow the gospel into their life? Right? Like, let's forget about Billy Graham. Let's think a lot smaller. Let's talk about Paul Graham. Right? (laughs) Or whoever your local pastor is. Right? You can't think that just because you don't have a church or a platform like Billy Graham or Paul Graham had to preach from that you can't sow generously. There's a hundred people that you know in this community that have never sat in this church, that have never heard the gospel from me, may never hear the gospel from me. And so if you don't sow into your fields, who's going to sow the gospel there? So you have to be generous in sowing the gospel to all the people that you know. Everyone needs to hear, and you have a field of your own. And be generous because people change. Soils don't stay the same. People change. You changed. I changed. Right? There was a time when our hearts were the hard path. There was a time when our hearts were the shallow soil. There was a time when our hearts didn't take root or bear fruit because they were overcome by thorns. 
But then one day our heart softened and we finally let God weed out the sin in our life and the bitterness and the resentfulness and the pride and the idolatry. And then the gospel found good purchase in the soil of our heart. Our heart changed. And so we have to believe that other people's hearts can change too. And so keep sowing generously, even on ground that was stony before, even on ground that was shallow before, even on ground that was thorny before. Keep sowing the gospel generously because hearts don't stay the same all the time. Our hearts changed. Why wouldn't other people's hearts change? And so we have to, in our sowing, be generous. Because God can change people's hearts. And so this parable is for you. If you already have the gospel, if you already have the bag on your hip, and you know the good news of the gospel, then this parable, the application for you as a sower is to see how the kingdom of God works and what you're called to do. You are called to sow generously. You are called to sow often. You are called to sow everywhere. You are called to sow the seed of the hope that you have within you, the gospel, the word of God, into people's lives. That's the application to sowers. Now let me talk about the application to the people who are hearing the gospel. Let's talk about the application from the side of the soils. So in the first three soils, the soils are the people who need to hear. This is the Word of God landing on people's hearts. And they need to hear the Word of God and how they receive it. And in the first three soils, we see the dangerous predicament that we can find ourselves in when we don't accept this generous grace of God in His sowing of His Word. And this parable is taking place right now as I speak. This, this parable takes place in some form every Sunday and it takes place in some form every time we share with people the hope of Jesus Christ. This parable is happening right now. The Word of God is going out, hearts are hearing it, and they are choosing how to receive it. So what sort of hearts is the Word of God landing on today? Where's your heart at? Well, there are three bad soils. And we're going to see in parallel to the three bad soils, there's actually three good soils too, but there's three bad soils we'll start with. There is the path or the hard soil. It says the fee, seed fell along the path. And you may be here today and your heart is still hard. In other words, nothing of the Word of God penetrates. You've seen other people in your family. You've seen other people in your life who have been in need of hope or in need of truth or in need of grace and you've seen them receive it in the Word of God and you've seen their life transformed. You've seen their lives changed. You know people that you trust who are credible with you, who can attest to you the goodness of God and the change that He brings in their life, but you don't feel it. Your heart hears nothing when I preach. It it feels nothing when you read Scripture. Whenever you think of God, there's probably either anger or rebellion or just nothing. Nothing in the Word of God resonates with you. It doesn't sound like truth. It doesn't sound like wisdom. It just makes no sense. That's the hard heart. It just can't penetrate. And what happens is you hear the Word of God and the next minute you forget it. Jesus says Satan comes along and snatches it away. So the seed's not even there to do anything. And that's dangerous ground. Whatever has brought you, if that's your heart this morning, whatever has brought you to that point in your life is not your friend. Whatever has caused you to think that way, whatever book you have read, whatever friend you've been listening to, whatever podcast is on your iPhone, whatever music, whatever it is, whatever it is that has brought you to this place where you just completely discredit the Word of God, that thing is not a friend in your life. It's your enemy. It will destroy you. Whatever ideologies have convinced you that God is either not there or God is useless is not for you but against you. And the best thing you could do for your heart is to pray to God to soften it and allow Him 
to soften that hard soil. It doesn't have to stay hard forever. Almost every Christian's heart that is here today was hard like yours at one point. But God softens hearts of stone and He makes them into hearts of flesh, we read in Ezekiel. And is able to receive His Word. Then there's another soil. It's the rocky or the shallow soil. And it says that He immediately received it with joy and yet there was no root in Himself. And the shallow soil is where it sprang up but it had no root so it withered. And, and maybe this describes you this morning and your past relationship with God. Maybe... You know, maybe you had a relationship with God like 10 years ago or 15 years ago or 20 years ago or whatever, and, and you remember that time when you went to church for those few months and, you know, you, or you came home from camp and you were just on fire for God and it was great. And then persecution came. And what Jesus is talking about here is then you had to start to count the cost of what it really meant to follow Jesus. You liked everything that you heard and that you received. You, you wanted the freedom from guilt and you wanted to please God and you wanted the, the new friends and you wanted the, the warm, fuzzy feeling. But after camp was over or after the guilt was lifted, you just kind of ran out of steam. It was exciting for a while, but then the cost of following Jesus showed up. It meant losing friends. It meant sideways looks from your family. And there came external pressures and persecutions. In other words, the hot sun came out and your shallow faith that was never really rooted in loving God, but was actually just rooted in loving the things that God could give you and how God could make you feel, that shallow faith withered up. And you never really got planted deeply into your faith. You didn't have roots into God's Word. You never formed good spiritual habits to keep you nourished. Well, that doesn't have to stay that way either. You don't have to stay in the shallow soil. Soil changes. You can start putting down roots. You can go back and, and, and rediscover your relationship with God. God is still waiting for you to answer the call of His Word and His Gospel. You can start drinking at the fountain of God's Word. You can anchor yourself again to God's people. There's good soil you can put yourself into to renew that shallow faith and restore your relationship with God. But there will be outside persecutions and your faith has to be strong enough to understand that, that there is a cost to following Jesus. We can't just be in love with the things that God gives us. We can't just love God's stuff. We have to love God. And too many of these people that have this shallow faith and they wither, it's because they loved God's stuff, but they didn't learn to love God. And that's what you have to do. And then there's the thorny soil. This is the world and the riches and distractions, right? It was sown among thorns, and this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And this is a pretty common story among many Christians too. It might be your story right now too. It, it may be the condition of your heart today. This person hears the word and begins to grow in the word, but then everything else seems just as important or more important. So this is the person that knows Jesus, trusts in Jesus, heard the gospel, responded to the gospel, saw God work in their life, was baptized, whatever. But then everything else in the world was kind of equal, right? There, there was church, but then there was also video games, right? You know, there was, there was ministry, but then there was also movies, right? There were, you know, there were, uh, you know, my friends at church, but then there were my, you know, my friends at work, you know, there were, Things There was the blessings of, of God and spiritual blessings, but then there was my paycheck and the amount of money I could make and the things that I could buy with that money. And, and everything in the world started to compete with my relationship with God and my relationship with His people. 
And this is the thorny or the weedy soil. Everything starts to compete. It becomes as important or even more important. The pressure isn't external this time. It's not persecution. The pressure this time in this soil is internal. It's conflicted loyalties. It's divided loyalties. It's all the false idols and distractions that rise up. Money and house and bills to pay and careers and vacations to take and the women or the men to date or the pleasures to pursue. And over time, your faith just gets swallowed up in everything else. In Matthew 6.24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. If you don't treasure Jesus above everything else, everything else is a competition for your affections and you are gladly distracted or wooed away from loving Jesus ahead of everything else. That's the third bad soil, dangerous soil. Are the distractions of the world taking you away from the Word of God? Think about it in your own life. Do you chase after riches and pleasures Are you worried and anxious and distracted about other things in the world more than having hope in Christ Jesus? It doesn't have to stay that way. Hebrews 12.1 says, Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. The writer to the Hebrews here is talking to Christians. right? He's talking to believers. He's talking to people who have heard the gospel, who have responded to the gospel. And he's saying, you Christians, lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles or ensnares us, just like the weeds ensnare us in this third soil. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It doesn't, the world does not have to be a distraction. The world does not have to choke out your faith. There is an alternative to lay that aside and to put your roots into good soil. But then there's good soil too. And that's, I hope, a lot of us today. This is the one who hears the word and understands it. Or even more accurately, there's three good soils. There's three bad soils. Jesus gives us three good soils. We see here he implies that the good soils can yield a 100 or yield 60 or yield 30 times a crop. So the key difference here between the three bad soils and these three good soils is that the three good soils are yielding a crop. They're not barren. They're not withered. They're not choked in weeds. They're yielding fruit. They're bearing fruit. Now typically farmers today sow about one or one and a half bushels of wheat per acre. And then Jesus says that from this sowing comes 30 or 60 or 100 times. Those are good numbers. I mean, if you sowed one and a half bushels of wheat and got 30 times back, that's 45 bushels to the acre. That's actually not bad. That's, that's pretty close to the average. That's pretty close to a modern average. That would be high in ancient times. Modern average is 50 to 60 barrels. But then Jesus says you could get 60 times that. That'd be 90 bushels to the acre. That is the best number I ever heard my dad say in decades of farming. Okay, I remember one year. I think it might have been more than 90. I think it was almost 100 bushels to the acre. It was like 95 bushels to the acre. It was the best year we ever had. So you can sow one and a half bushels of seed, and you can get 60 times back, 90 bushels to the acre. That happens. Like I said, it's about the highest yield I've ever heard. It's almost unachievable except in perfect situations. But then Jesus says it could even be a hundred times, 150 bushels to the acre. Wow. So again, just think how his, how his listeners are hearing him. They're saying, so we can sow a bushel and get a hundred bushels back. That is incredible. We could sow two bushels and get 200 bushels back. 
And Jesus is saying the person who hears the gospel and nourishes it, grows in it, puts his roots into the word of God, will bear a crop. He will bear a bumper crop, or they will bear a super crop of fruit in their life. But people who hear the gospel and bear fruit, bear fruit for the kingdom. Well, what is fruit? Well, it could be a few things. Colossians 1 and Galatians 5 talk about fruit being good works and our increasing godly character, love, joy, peace, patience, etc., all of those fruit of the Spirit. That's certainly part of the fruit that we bear. We're meant to be sanctified. We're meant to be transformed and be more Christ-like. It could also be praise and worship. Hebrews 13 says the fruit of your lips is worship and praise to God. But you know what? We're going to be perfectly sanctified in heaven. We are going to be able to perfectly praise God when we get to heaven. In eternity, we won't have to fight with our flesh. The, 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 the development of our spiritual fruit will be complete. Right? Our praise and our worship in God, of God will be perfect in heaven. What is the only fruit that we can't bear in heaven? New believers. Right? There's, there's not going to be any more converts in heaven. We're all on the same team. The fruit we bear on earth here that Jesus is talking about that comes from the gospel is new believers. In Romans 1 and 1 Corinthians 16, Paul talks about bearing fruit in those cities. In Philippians 4, Paul says that we give to ministry and we give to missions so that the fruit of that mission and that ministry that it bears in new converts is fruit to our credit. So Jesus here is talking about the gospel fruitfulness fruitfulness that we should see in Christian lives. He's saying if you have the gospel and you are giving an account for the hope that's within you, you will see the fruitfulness in others coming into the kingdom of God. Jesus says some are going to be amazing, some are going to be average. right? There's, There's lots of different good soils, but you're all going to be fruitful. If you are speaking the gospel, using the gospel the way God would have you use it in your life. So how does all this apply to our hearts this morning? The hearts that have received the gospel, we don't all yield exactly the same crop, but we're all meant to be fruitful. And so we have to take that seriously. Jesus says this is how the kingdom works. If you don't sow into your seed, into your field, who's going to sow it? Billy Graham's not going to do it. Paul Graham's not going to do it. You have fields of people that you need to sow the gospel into and sow it generously. When the gospel seed is planted in our hearts, Jesus says that seed is supposed to multiply and bear fruit. And you know what happens with a portion of the wheat that's harvested after it ripens? It circles right back around into seed again to get scattered and sowed again. And so as you have received the seed from someone else and you've grown up into this fruitful plant, some of your fruit is meant to be scattered as seed again into the next field. And that's the picture that Jesus has for us this morning. If the gospel's growing in us, if we're the sower, that's the message for us. We're meant to take what we have and re-sow it 30, 60, and 100 times. But then, what about the people in the bad soil? What if you're here this morning and you're like, I I resonate more with that hard heart or that shallow heart or that weedy heart. What's my application? Well, the application here is that God is sowing generously. He, He is sharing His gospel widely with everybody. And your heart doesn't have to stay the same. That you have an opportunity to respond to that word as it goes forth. The condition of your heart determines how you approach God's grace and you can work with God on the condition of your heart. And in communion, we have an incredible picture of the seed of the gospel. In communion that we're going to take in just a moment now, we have this incredible picture of this. That Christ is both the sower in this parable and at other times He's the seed. Paul says in Corinthians that 
the seed, that is Christ, if it does not go into the ground and die, then how can it bring forth life? And Jesus is the sower, but he's also the seed. He's the seed that went down into the ground and died so that he could spring forth again in life. And so in communion here, we actually have this amazing opportunity for you to do business with God with your heart. You have opportunity to talk to God and commune with God and ask Him to transform your heart, to put your roots down deep into the truth of God's Word, to put Jesus first in your affections, to treasure Christ above all else, and in so doing then, come to this fruitful saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then generously sow the good news out of that reality to others. And so as we come to communion, you can ask Jesus to aid you in that and in your heart today. Let's pray.